Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keef to the City podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so the Rangers staved off elimination once again on Tuesday night against the Lightning in Game 6. Um, a road win to keep their season alive, keep the Eastern Conference Finals alive, and now we're faced once again with a Game 7, another Game 7 at Madison Square Garden where the Rangers have never lost a Game 7 um, in the organization's history. And joining me today to talk Game 7, Rangers Lightning, uh, set to play be played Friday night at Madison Square Garden, is Adam Herman of Blue Shirt Banter. You can uh, check him out over there at blueshirtbanter.com. Adam, how's it going today? I'm pretty good. How are you, Neil? I'm doing well. I know, uh, you know, we talked before that first round. We talked, um, you know, during that Capital Series uh, between being away and, uh, you know, things coming up. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk here before this Eastern Conference Finals. But, um, you know, here we are with one game to be played for a chance to return to the Stanley Cup Final. Um, you know, what have you seen over these first six games? I guess just a general summary before we really start to get into it and break it down. Uh, what have you seen so far uh, here from this Rangers team? And are you surprised we're headed for yet another Game 7 with them? Yeah, uh, what I've seen is kind of just, uh, I don't really know what I've seen. Uh, you know, there were highs and lows in the first two series against Pittsburgh and Washington. You know, there was kind of a tempo to it, and, you know, it was kind of thematic in how it played out. Uh, you know, this one, it's like every game is just completely different with a completely different storyline, you know, a whole different mentality from each team. So it, uh, I'm sure to outsiders, it's been really exciting. Uh, you know, to follow. Um, but, you know, as a, as a Ranger fan, it's been, uh, you know, nail biting as usual. But, um, I, I think when you look at the Rangers, you know, when you look at Tampa's strengths and how they exploited the Rangers, um, you know, early in the season, I think you have to be pretty happy with the job the Rangers have done to, uh, to force a game seven. Yeah, and you talk about, uh, from a Rangers fan's perspective, actually being involved and having, uh, you know, your team in this series. Um, it hasn't been, you know, <laughs> as, as easy going as it is from the outside. And I know, you know, from checking out, you know, other teams' fans, uh, whether it's Bruins fans who were tweeting during Rangers Capitals Game 7 about how, you know, fun it is to watch a Game 7 when you don't really have a rooting interest involved. And that sort of came to play on, on Wednesday night with the Blackhawks-Ducks where, you know, you're just watching, hoping for a good game, and it doesn't really matter, you know, who wins or who loses, whereas the night before, you know, every single shot, every single bounce uh, can alter a season or end a season in the Rangers' case. But once again, they're able to, you know, f- fend themselves uh, off with their backs against the wall, win another elimination game, and it's just become to this point where, you know, I feel as, as confident as them playing, you know, the the first game of a series as I do with them playing an elimination game with the chance to end their season. Well, yeah, and, you know, again, we talked about this, I believe it was before the Pittsburgh series, but um, I think the biggest strength for this team is the fact that, you know, basically the entire school, you know, they're ringing together and, you know, they, they've dealt with, you know, being down 3-1 in the series and they've been uh, tasked with game 7s and, you know, just a lot of animosity, a lot of trying time, so, um you know, obviously there are no guarantees, but you have you have to like uh, just kind of this team's um, you know ability to step into these games and you know just conduct this business as usual. Um, and obviously, you look at Henrik Lundqvist 
uh, record in elimination games. And in game seven, that, uh, you know, obviously he's the backbone of the team that doesn't really need to be said. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows how it plays out, but you, you have you have to like the Rangers' chances and uh, opportunities like this compared to, you know, most teams. Yeah, I agree, and and you bring up Lundqvist and his numbers in Game Seven and, and elimination games, and how great he's been. And it's and it's odd because if the Rangers' season does end on uh, on Friday night at the Garden, they do come a win short from the return to the final again. Everybody will be quick to say, you know, hey, Henrik Lundqvist, one of the best, but he still hasn't won. Uh, he still needs that cup, as if you know this is golf or tennis, and it's an individual sport. Um, and and it just kills me every time because you know you see how much he wants it. Uh, you know, you see how well he's played in the postseason's past. You see the reason that, you know, for many of the post-lockout years, the reason they were even in the playoffs was because of his play. Um, and it just, it's it's terrible to see, you know, him take criticism when it's really unwarranted. And you go back a couple games ago where they blow that two-goal lead, they come back, they, they erase a two-goal deficit of their own, um, and then in overtime he stops a breakaway from JT Brown, and then moments later gives up the overtime winner on a shot that, yeah, most of the time he would stop, but people instantly start killing him for that shot, and it's almost as if he were better off just letting the JT Brown breakaway go in to uh, sort of you know lessen the criticism. But you know when you hear these people you know rip on Lundqvist or say that he needs to win to sort of solidify what he's done in his career, do you just shake your head or are you of the variety that he does need that that cup and that you know his name on the cup to sort of you know magnify and, and make and make the difference of what he's done in his career no i i think that whole mentality is pretty pretty silly um and uh you know obviously it's a team sport and that's cliche but you know <laughs> you look at one quick performances in the playoffs over the years and it's like you know like what, what more do you realistically want him to do than than what's done um you know and you know, people say, oh, like, well, he hasn't won the Cup, you know, and I I wonder, you know, how, how the Rangers would have been viewed the last decade or so if they had even a pretty good goalie in that, you know, as opposed to Lundqvist, because, you know, I, I don't think they're making it to the Cup final last year. I think a number of the years um, where they were able to, you know, get a playoff spot and win a round or so, you know, I don't think they're making the playoffs the so, so it, it's real. It's real strange for people to kind of go with that mentality that oh, well, one course hasn't won a cup. Well, well, yeah. I mean, look, you know, if, if you put Mark Messier on, you know, this year's Buffalo Sabres team, they're not they're not doing anything. You know, if you, if you put Brodeur on this year's, uh, you know, Arizona Coyotes, he's not winning anything. So it, it's absurd to sit there and, and blame one for, you know roster moves that he never decided or, you know, just uh, draft decisions or, you know, whatever it is that has, uh, you know, not made the Rangers a contender for for a number of years prior. Um, and if the Rangers are, are, you know, if the Rangers do pull it off this year, I'm not sure that any player, uh, you know, in a long time will have, you know, kind of willed it for their team the way that Lundqvist has this year. Um, so you want you want to see the Rangers, I mean, honestly, for the Rangers to win it, but also because, you know, it's kind of just like the way that Lundqvist has, uh, you know, represented this team and carried this team for so long. You know, he, he kind of, he really deserves it. Yeah, I agree. And I think to that same sort of point, 
um, is the criticism towards Rick Nash because, um, like, you know, the jokes on Twitter, he, he's paid to score goals, not do anything else really on the ice. And he had a four-point night the other night. He's got five goals in these playoffs, 14 points in 18 games. Uh, and granted, I'm sure, you know, he probably wants to score more than he has. I'm sure he did last year. I'm sure he did the year before. Um, you know, sometimes the bounces just don't go his way. And for the streakiest of streaky goal scorers, which is what he seems to be, um, he sort of hit these slumps at the wrong time. And, uh, you know, it's not like the rest of his game has fallen or taken a hit because of it, but he sort of has uh, you know quieted the crowd over the last couple games with his uh, two-goal effort to uh, to win game four, and then uh, in the game six, the four-point game, along with Broussard's hat-trick. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously the Lundquist thing drives me the craziest and makes me laugh the most at people's uh, opinions about that, but second to that has to be Nash and the idea that he's not a clutch player or that he can't play in the playoffs because his numbers in the playoffs don't match that of the regular season. Well, yeah, it's the same thing as, you know, similar to the Lundqvist thing that uh, people are just real lazy and simple-minded. So, like, <laughs> things don't, when things, no, I mean, it sounds like an attack, but that's just the reality in that, like, you know, when things go wrong, it's, oh, who, you know, on whom are we going to place the blame? And the most convenient, you know, easy, you know, way out is to say, oh, the top players. So, you know, that's what it is with Lundqvist, that's what it is with Nash. Um you know, it, 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 the whole concept of clutch and choking, you know, obviously there are players who are better in, in big moments than, than others. You know, again, you look at Longquist numbers in the elimination games in Game 7, he's obviously a guy who gets up for those games. And obviously, you look at a guy like Marc Messier, um, he loves those moments. But, you know, it, it, the reverse of it is that, you know, Steve Eiserman, you know, a lot of people say he's the best captain of all time, you know, when, when a bunch of training cuts with, with uh, Detroit. Um, but you look at, uh, the Red Wings prior to 1997, in the mid-90s, there were a lot of people in Detroit, you know, who viewed Matt, uh, Iverman as a choker, as a guy who couldn't get the job done, and, uh, there are a lot of rumors about Detroit shopping, uh, Iverman, trading him to Ottawa. Um, you know, and then again, you look at a guy like, uh, John Elway, it was the same concept until he won. So, you know, it, it's, it's strange to say, oh, this guy doesn't, uh, you know, he's not clutch or whatever because, like, what, did John L.A. suddenly develop clutchness? Did Steve Eiserman <laughs> suddenly develop big moment ability? Like, it's just a, it's a lazy narrative um, for people who just don't want to actually think about what they're watching and why things are happening. Um, and so, yeah, so now, of course, Rick Nash puts four points in uh, a pretty, pretty damn important game six. So... You know, some people aren't going to be happy until, you know, he scores a Game 7 overtime winner in the Stanley Cup Finals. And even then, you know what, they'll probably say, oh, well, it was a fortunate bounce, or, oh, it was easy. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's what it is, and uh, I'm sure Nash is over it by now. I'm sure Lincoln Yo's over it by now. Um, but he, he's, doing, he's doing a very good job um, this postseason, in, in particular this series. So uh, I, I think he's happy with his own play. Two years ago, when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Devils and uh, ended up losing in six games after their, uh, you know, having the one seed in the East that year, I thought, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe going forward, the Rangers, uh, you know, will will know what kind of team we're getting game in and game out. Um, and the following year, that they lose to the Bruins in five miserable games. Uh, then last year, they go to the Stanley Cup Final unexpectedly, and I thought, you know, maybe this year we'll sort of, you know, understand who this team is better, day, game in and game out. And we did pretty much for the entire regular season. I, I went. I was confident going into every game knowing what sort of effort, what sort of performance I'd expect or, or, or I'd get and, I'd, and what I'd see. 
And then the postseason started, and uh, we saw that in Pittsburgh, not so much, uh, you know, as frequently as in Washington. And then in Tampa Bay in this series, um, it's sort of been, you know, has blown my mind of of game in and game out the Rangers team we get. And uh, I think really it comes down to game five, you know, coming off a win where they sort of uh, saved the series at that point with a 5-1 win in Tampa Bay. And then they're returning home, and they get shut out 2-0, and it's not even – it wasn't even like Ben Bishop played out of his mind or anything. It was just that right. the Rangers never really had a quality scoring chance, and I felt like if that game continued for four more hours, the Rangers probably still wouldn't have scored. It reminded me of those postseasons past where you know Lundqvist would have to give up one goal if they wanted to win, and if he gave up two, they wouldn't even have a chance. And I'm not really sure what went wrong in that game five where they, they couldn't generate scoring chances. They get shut out in a game. You think that they'd come back and win being at home after their huge win in game four. Uh, you know What exactly happened in that game five? I mean, is it just the mystery of the Rangers and this is the, you know, the aura that will always surround this team? Yeah, I mean, to, to a large extent, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where uh, it happens, you know. If, if a game like that happens in, in uh, January, we'd say, all right, well, that was their, you know, bad game for the month or whatever. Um, and then obviously in the playoffs, you don't really have the leeway uh, for those kinds of things, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Um and obviously, the Rangers just didn't have a good game that day. Um, but I think you look at Tampa Bay in game one, and it was kind of the same story for them. You know, it was like, look at this great possession team who generates a lot of offense, you know. And, and Steve Stamkos only attempts one shot, you know. And so it's like, what's wrong with Tampa Bay there? Um, and then the next game, you know, they're piling on the goals on Lundqvist. And then for the Rangers, it was in game six, they're piling on the goals. So I, I think it's just one of those things, you know, where it's the playoffs and, and – uh, Silly things happen, and uh, you know when when people have off nights, it, it's magnified, and it was just basically everyone on the Rangers that long course had an off night um, that game, and 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 I, yeah, so I, I just think it's one of those things where um, it's not realistic to expect your team in a in, in a long playoff run to not have one or two just you know terrible performances, and it's just about you know. Recognizing that, not getting carried away with it, and uh, you know, just focusing on what you need to do for the next game. And you know, I think again, like I've been saying with the Rangers, the theme of this team is kind of just that they've been through this before. They they can handle the highs, they can handle. The, uh, you know, the Rangers obviously responded very well after that uh, pretty subpar performance. And in that game five, uh, Philpola scores. Uh, you know, finishing that three on two, and then the Stamkos goal um, comes where he's just sort of sitting on the doorstep, wide open, uh, yeah. no one even on him. And that same exact scenario happened again in Game 6, and Lundqvist just happened to make a spectacular save. But it kills me to see, you know, I, I understand that goal, uh, Stamkos goal in Game 5 did come on the power play, so certainly that's the man advantage. But yeah. how is, the is you know, the best pure goal scorer probably in the entire world sitting there at the top of the crease just waiting for a pass? Yeah, it's it's frustrating. And uh, I, think, I think when you look at uh, the series in particular, but kind of the entire playoffs, uh, I don't think I don't think Dan Girardi is exactly having the playoffs that he he uh, he hoped to have. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty skeptical of him being a first pairing defenseman in general. But <laughs> uh, but um, you know, even even despite that, this is well below his uh, his ability. You know, he's better than what he's been. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely frustrating. Um, to, to see Sam Cochran his opportunities like that. And, you know, that goes back to what I was saying about Lundqvist and that, you know, even with a pretty good goaltender in that, you know, how different does, does this play out for the Rangers? Um, 
and luckily he is there to, to you know, kind of bail him out in instances like that. Um, I think the Rangers did a very good job against Santos in, in game one that they just did not give him a lot of space. Um, I think they've gotten away from that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think the Rangers want to be winning game 7-3. I mean, well, I'm sure they'd love to win them, but I don't think that's a sustainable uh, blueprint for learning for them against this Tampa team. Um, I they have to um, be tighter on Santos and you know, it, it's kind of not the same because Tampa has a, a little bit more depth, but, you know, it's like against Washington, you don't want Ovechkin to single-handedly beat you. You don't want him to, uh, you know, carry tackles. You want to make other players beat you. And um, I, I think it's the same thing against Tampa. You know, if, if you're going to be, be beat by Tampa, then you want it to, to be, you know, their other guys, like Kucherov, um, you know, Callahan, you want those guys, you want to force them to beat you instead of Stamkos. So I think uh, Vignola hopefully will make the adjustments for this game seven because, you know, even in the win last night, uh, not last night, um, last game, you know, Stamkos got a lot of room uh, early on and Lundqvist kind of held the fort. So uh, I think definitely the Rangers are going to need to do a better job against Stamkos. Well, you mentioned uh, Girardi and being skeptical of him being a you know a top pair defenseman, which uh, I think that would be uh, you know the general consensus across the board. And him and McDonough sort of you know the last couple of games haven't been getting you know the minutes and the, the you know sort of high leverage playing time that you would see. And it's sort of like Keith Yandel has, has stepped up and played a defensive game that um, you know many people probably didn't even know existed because of you know how how bad he can look at times um, and how much of a liability he could be in his own zone at times. But I would say you know his defense defensive effort here in this series has probably been the biggest surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, well, you look at Keith, Keith Yandel, and um, you know, obviously he's not being paid. The Rangers didn't trade for him to be a shutdown defenseman, right? You know, they, they paid him to, to uh, provide the offense, and uh, he's very clearly done that this postseason, despite uh, playing through an injury. So uh, I think the Rangers have gotten their money's worth so far in that trade, but you know, the thing about Yandel is that he's not very good in his own ends, but He's not in his own end very much to begin with. So, you know, it, it's kind of like I, my, the comparison I make is to like kind of a, a pitcher who, uh, you know, saying like, oh, this pitcher's not very good at, uh, you know, getting out of trouble with uh, runners on bases. And, but that pitcher doesn't let many runners on in scoring position in the first place, you know? So it's like, uh, you know, Yandel, he's been all right in his own end. He's, you know, he's done the job done there, but what really makes him productive defensively is that he doesn't have to play much defense in the first place because, you know, he always, he does a very good job of making passes and keeping pucks in in the offensive end. So he doesn't have to play much defense in the first place. But yeah, I, I think he's done his job in, um, you know, in his own end to the extent that he's really able to, uh, I, I think he's very good at taking pucks out of corners and, uh, and, uh, sending them out. Um, to a teammate, so I, th- I think Gandal and Dan Boyle have been the Rangers' two best defensemen in the series. Well, the weirdest part of this series probably has been, uh, you know, watching Callahan and rooting heavily against him, and he's sort of, you know, at least to me, sort of become a villain here in this series because of, you know, what he was and what he meant for the Rangers, and now to see him, you know, especially with that breakaway goal the other night, uh, which was just, you know, horrible coverage on that uh, at the at yeah. their own blue. But um, it, has it been weird for you to, you know, see Ryan Callahan? I know, you know, we saw him in the regular season a few times, but uh, the magnitude of those games isn't as heightened as it is now, and to see him, you know, uh, one win away from the 
the cup with another team as as his former Rangers are now one win away once again from the cup without him. Uh, has it been weird to root this heavily against him? I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I honestly was never a huge Ryan Callahan fan, and that's not to say I didn't like him because I did like him. Um, it's just that I didn't really have that kind of um, just like huge fan favorite, like you know, pure like emotional attachment to him the way a lot of other people did. And you know that that's fine, but um, you, you know I, I think it's the thing where you know obviously the Rangers did what they had to do. Um, Callahan did what he decided he needed to do personally, and that, that's his prerogative. But um, you know the leader of the Rangers and you know, setting example and all that. And I think the thing with the Rangers captaincy is that obviously it does matter. But as long as Henry Glundquist is, is uh, in, the, in the locker room, you know, the captain's really not going to be the true leader. It's kind of a shared job at best with Lundquist. So, you know, with, with Callahan, yeah, it's definitely a bit weird, especially when you see kind of like the 2012 run and how Callahan was so centric to that. But, you know, I, I, for me personally, I, I got over it pretty quickly just because, you know, I just saw him as just another good player for the Rangers. Well, that's refreshing to hear because I'm in the same boat where I was never the biggest Callahan guy. I, you know, I always felt that like him and Dubinsky were sort of, you know, following the same career path, and and the captaincy could have gone either way. And then uh, he ends up getting it, and I and I never felt that emotional attachment either. And when he was traded, I felt like it was a great trade for the Rangers. I was happy to see him go for the money he was commanding and demanding. But you know, a, a lot of people obviously were devastated by uh, watching the captain get traded. Um, you know, in the middle of a season, and then the Stanley Cup final run. But um, I'm that same note now to see Boyle and Strawman and you know I was probably more anti-Boyle than anyone in the tri-state area and I know there's you know a, a strong contingent of uh, you know Boyle supporters and had I known that the fourth line would shape up to be what it was this year I probably would have welcomed him back but um, and right. Strawman on that and that same instance you know he's become sort of a player that you saw glimpses of him with the Rangers that, that he could be this guy but now to be at this consistent consistently um, is sort of heartbreaking because uh, you know they, they decided to give those those long term and those big deals to Girardi and Stahl, and maybe Strawman would have made more sense. So, you know, when you see those two guys now in other places, when they could have easily been Rangers once again the past offseason, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it's frustrating to watch, and it's, it, it's frustrating because it so easily could have been avoided. You know, it was, uh, when you look at Brian Boyle, you know, it was kind of just financially, it just wasn't going to work out for the Rangers. You know, Boyle kind of played uh, himself out of the pay scale that the Rangers could afford under the cap. So, you know, even though maybe it sucked a bit to see him go, it was it was pretty understandable. There was nothing anyone could do. You know, with with Strawman, it was just it was it was silly to let him leave. You know, they could have easily fit him under the cap. Uh, he wanted to stay. He said as much. The Rangers didn't even bother making an offer uh, after July first before he signed with Tampa. So. It's frustrating to to let a guy like that go, and obviously now he's a, he's a major part of Tampa Tampa's uh, team. And if Tampa does prevail in Game Seven, you know I'm guessing Strawman's going to be as big of a figure in that as anyone. Um, and then again, you look at Girardi, you look at Kevin Klein. Uh, they're not exactly playing their best series. They haven't been exactly great these playoffs. Um, so it, it's just very frustrating to see. Solomon doing what he is for Tampa Bay. Not that it's surprising, but it's frustrating because it so easily could have been avoided. And, uh, you know, as good as the Rangers are now, they, you know, they're, they're probably significantly better um, with Solomon. 
when you look at this series now and uh, the the impact that sort of uh, both defenses have played, and you know we've seen a two one game, six two, six five, five one, two nothing, seven three. We haven't really seen um, the typical you know Rangers two to one, three to two game uh, over the course of a series that we've gotten so used to in the past. And that probably is the only thing that worries me about game se- game seven. And I was pretty um, you know calm about the the Rangers Capitals game seven. I liked the Rangers chances. Um, you know even when they fell behind early, I, I felt like they'd find a way to come back and win and the only time I've really been panicked this entire postseason was in you know the final minutes of that game five against Washington when it just you know seemed to settle in that this season was just you know that was it that was how it was going to end um, and now entering this game seven, you know, I don't have any idea what to expect. Uh, we've seen the you know every variety of possible outcome in the first six games. Um, you know. It would, you know, historically probably make sense that you'd think it'd be a low-scoring game and uh, something that resembles, you know, more of games one and five. But, you know, what do you expect here on Friday night at the Garden? Or are you sort of, you know, just going to, you know, take it as it is and have no idea what to, what will come? I mean, yeah, obviously I don't know, uh, especially with this team. You know, it's kind of just, in this season, it's kind of just been like weird things are happening and just like ridiculous things. So it's it's at the point kind of where you're you're pretty naive to say, oh, I know what's going to happen or I have any good idea. Um, but, you know, that being said, you know, I, it's hard to imagine, you know, it being a high-scoring game just just because, you know, Longquist, I just can't see Longquist in an elimination game seven, you know, giving up five goals, giving up six goals. It's, it's, it just doesn't seem right, you know. So so I, I, I'm guessing it's going to be another you know, uh, tooth-pulling, you know, uh, miserable, low-scoring effort. Um, you know, but obviously if the Rangers, you know, prevailed and whatever, the end shows the vital needs there. Um, but, again, you know, I think the Rangers are going to be prepared. You know, they we all know that they've been through this more than basically any other team in professional sports, you know, these Game 7s and such. Um so, so I think I think the Rangers are going to be pretty confident. Uh, I think they'll be pretty comfortable. Uh, I think the one thing that they'll have over Tampa Bay, in uh, in these kinds of things, is that you know Tampa Tampa has been through it a few times, but it's a pretty young team, pretty inexperienced team. So you you would hope that the Rangers uh, can calm their nerves a bit more. Uh, in the game, so, you know, we'll see. Well, we didn't uh, have a chance to talk before the series started, and I know you successfully predicted the first two rounds right. Are we right where you thought? Did you say Rangers in seven for this one? No, I had champion six for this one. Uh, Yeah, so after that game five, going into game six, you know, after how they played in game five, I I was feeling pretty good about my prediction. Uh, You know, thankfully that was, thankfully I was wrong for the first time this postseason. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, hopefully I'm not close to right in that Tampa wins in seven. Hopefully the Rangers win in seven, and I just look real dumb. Um, and, you know, I, I think I like the Rangers' chances in this game. I think if I had to put odds on it, I'd say Rangers have a 51% chance of winning the game and Tampa 49. So, you know, again, who knows what will happen. <laughs> well, uh, you know, because they got to the Stealing Up final last year and lost, and even though they, they – Probably, you know, I, I can't imagine anyone thought that they were going to make the run that they did to get there. Um, the next logical step in their progression would be to get back there and win it all. And a lot of people, you know, 
mostly people that don't watch hockey or haven't followed it forever and are just, you know, watching because it's the postseason and because it's the Rangers. Um, it, it, I've asked me, you know, is this season a failure if they lose and don't make the Stanley Cup final or if they make the final and lose there? And, you know, I thought it might have been if they had lost like, the Capitals just because you don't want to go down the second round for as good of a regular season they had. But if they were to lose game seven at home against the Lightning, um, you know, I don't see it that way. I, I, you know, I thought this was, you know, as fun of a season to follow as any I have in my life. Um, and, and the postseason's been, you know, just as good and just as thrilling as it's been in the past. And certainly you'd like to win and get back to the final and win it all. But I don't view this season as a failure if they don't do that. Are you in that same boat or do you think they have to win it all? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think it's pretty silly to fail the season but failure. Um, obviously, it will be a failure in some regards in that, again, there were certain moves that they could have made that were on the table and they kind of shot themselves in the foot and maybe they would have a better outcome. But, you know, looking at the big picture, uh, yes, that makes it a failure. Uh, I, I think that's pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, and I, I thought this up in the past when people were kind of, um, people were kind of undermining the president's trophy. If you're all like, who cares? It means nothing because like, that matters. And yeah, obviously Santa Cup is the most important by a long uh, margin. But, you know, you look at even the most successful teams in sports, whether it's the Montreal Canadiens or like the New York Yankees, you know, you listen, you know, take the Yankees, even with all their championships and such, they, they've won one since 2001, you know, and that's, that's a pretty long time. Um, so that, that, that's like, the, you know, most successful or the Canadians haven't won since 1993. So if you're going to look at sports through the lens of, uh, you know, the team has to win the, the title or else it's just a complete failure and a waste of time. You know, sports, sports are going to be pretty miserable, you know, because most of the time, uh, the given team's not going to win. So <laughs> is, is, it, is it the ultimate happiness if the ring, you know, is it like, oh, everything was great, no regrets, this was perfect? No, of course not. But, you know, there has to be some, some uh, kind of happy medium between, you know, saying, you know, that the title is the ultimate goal and it's an expectation um, and saying that just, oh, it's that or just everything sucks and, and you know, it, it was a waste, you know, because you have, especially when I, when, uh, you know, we both kind of grew up with the late 90s, early 2000s Rangers where that, that was true disappointment and misery, you know, where they just couldn't even get into the playoffs, you know. So with that kind of perspective, I'm kind of appreciative of what the Rangers have done the last three or four years. Um, so, so no, um, you know, you hope the Rangers um, win the cup, and if they don't, then there have to be some changes to make, and and it'll be disappointing. But I don't view it as just just you know this outright failure. <laughs> Well, I agree, and uh, you know, I hope we get a chance to talk again this postseason, and not you know looking ahead to the off season and those changes that do need to be made. Uh, hopefully, they come out, they play uh, the way they have in all the game sevens in the past at home, and they and they win, and we'll talk more for the Stanley Cup final. But uh, you know, if they are able to win Friday, then that Saturday game between the Ducks and the Blackhawks will be uh, you know all Rangers fans will be watching that. Is there either team that you're sort of favoring, and you'd rather see a matchup with the Rangers against? Yeah, well, I think the Tampa Bay is the hardest matchup the Rangers are going to get this postseason. Um, and that's not a shot at Anaheim or Chicago. It's just I think Tampa Bay is that good. So, um, you know, that doesn't mean that Anaheim or Chicago are going to be easy. 
obviously both are, are damn good teams. Um, I, I think uh, you're kind of splitting hairs when you're when you're picking the more preferable team because obviously both teams have gotten this far and are going to the game seven for a reason. Um, I think I'd rather face Chicago um, for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, is that you know you look at the minutes that Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are playing, and it's, it's kind of just like how long can that last? You know, we, we saw it similar thing with McDonough and Girardi. Um, you know, a few years ago under Torello where they just lacked a third pairing. So, he, you know, they would just kind of beat them into the ground. Um, I, I think, you know, Chicago's at risk of a similar thing um, where they're just playing their top guys way too much. Um, and the second second thing is that I just don't think Corey Crawford's a very good goaltender. Um, obviously, he's good enough to win with um, because Chicago's won a cup with him in uh, 2013. But... You know, uh, when you look at the, the remaining goaltenders, I think Frederick Anderson's pretty good. I think Ben Bishop's pretty good. I think Corey Crawford is at best average. And I think if he was on, you know, any other team, he doesn't have kind of the reputation he does as a goaltender. Um, and you look at the playoffs, he, he's been exploited, you know. He's had a few real good games, but for the most part, he's been pretty average at best. Um, so I, I just think that Chicago has a few more weaknesses to exploit compared to Anaheim. I think either team, the Rangers, could, could certainly be. All right, Adam. Well, hopefully we do get that chance to talk again and uh, preview a Stanley Cup final uh, matchup in the coming days. Um, yeah, good luck to the Rangers, and uh, I hope to talk to you next week to talk Rangers Blackhawks or Rangers Ducks. Yeah, let's hope.